Praise God. God is a good God. Amen. It was a wonderful week, Winter Bible Seminar. Um, you know, like I said, if, if you missed it, I guess you missed half your life, like my grandfather used to always say. Um, but if you did miss it, you can actually go back and watch the services live on probably the easiest way is to go to YouTube, go to the Rainbow USA channel. Or if you want to, you can go buy them out at the bookstore. Um, but they're free online. Anyway, do what you want. Um, all right. Well, today or this morning, I'm actually going to um, um, kind of talk a little bit um, on the same direction I, I spoke on on Wednesday night. I know it would be really weird to have a part two when part one wasn't spoken in the church, but that's okay. Um, I'm not really going to say this in part two because I'll go ahead and talk about a little bit what I want to do because actually, technically, what I'm going to talk about today was what I was going to talk about Wednesday night or the direction I was going to go, but I went a little bit different on Wednesday night. So, so this is the original message. Um, same text. Um, anyway, but so today what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to, to read, I think all my scriptures are from the Passion Translation. If you happen to have the U version of the Bible, it's the TPT. All right, TPT. I didn't realize that I had the Passion Translation on the U version. So um, my mom, you know, I, because someone even asked me during the week, um, what version do you use? Because I guess they got a, 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 a glimpse of my screen um, you know, on Wednesday night, and probably they, they asked because I have on, on my um, Bible, I actually have it marked up different colors. And like I was, one of the scriptures I noticed that I actually had green, blue, yellow, and pink all in one, one thing. And someone asked me, well, why, why do you highlight this color for that or that color? Actually, I have no rhyme or reason why I highlight. I mean, I just, whenever I'm highlighting, or there's sometimes like, if I want to emphasize a certain verse, I highlight it in a different color, you know, for that sermon. So, but I use the U version uh, of the Bible um, because it's free. All right. Well, and if anyone's heard me talk about personal finances, you know that I'm going to be free if I can. But my, my mom and dad, um, they use a version called Takarda, all right? Takarda, you get the, I think King James, maybe the new King James is free, everything else you pay for. It's like 495 or, or something like for the different versions. And um, so my mom's like, well, download Takarda and you can get the Passion Translation there. So I download Takarda, which is free, and then I paid 499 for um, the Passion Translation. And then I also got the Voice Translation, which is available on, on Takarda, not available on version. And then later on, I found out I could have just not paid the 499 um, and had it free because it was called TPT. And so I was mad I spent 499 extra. Um, but anyway, God still forgives me. All right. Um, John chapter 5 is where we're going to start. John chapter 5, verse number 2. Um, says this, reading from the Passion Translation. It says, inside the city near the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Aramic, the house of loving kindness, surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches, the paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled, all of them waiting for, the, for their healing. For an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would instantly be healed. Among the many sick people lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that this man had been crippled for a long time. Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be well? The sick man answered, Sir, there is no way I can get healed, for I have no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. And as soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. First of all, think about this. Here's a man lying there for 38 years, and um, I did it on Wednesday. I'll do it again. How many in this room are 38 years old or younger? How many? Raise your hand. All right. So think about this. All your life. Um, it would be like living all your life crippled. And so this man, um, here he was, obviously there was a big pool. 
bunch of people around it. And we have to understand once again, that the gospels are still under the old covenant. All right. Until Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, um, we're living under the old covenant. So the only chance that these people had that they knew was to wait for an angel to come and, um, you know, stir the water. And that's why the television program touched by an angel, you know, happened, you know, because, you know, that was from John chapter five. No. Um, so they would wait for this water to be stirred. And here's this guy. What's interesting is when Jesus came to him, he didn't even know who Jesus was. Do you realize that? He didn't recognize Jesus because if he would have recognized Jesus, he would have like, you know, I'm waiting for you. But he didn't even recognize Jesus. Now, I, I don't know if Jesus, I mean, you know, I don't know why, but nobody recognized him. Um, but what he said was the sick man answered, sir, there is no way I can get healed. So he already knew that there was no way for him to get healed, but he sat there anyway. Why did he sit there anyway? Because he was trying to do whatever he could. You know, maybe, you know, it says there are hundreds of people there, but maybe the angel stirs the water. It's three in the morning. People are sleeping. You know, the, some people wake up, but they're, they're groggy and they slip and fall and they don't make it. And this guy finally gets in. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, you might think the guy was wasting his time just hanging out. Um, but he was doing the only thing that he knew to do. And I think that's the reason that Jesus came to him because you know what? He had, he had no hope. He had no hope anyway. So, um, verse number eight says, Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk. Immediately he stood up, he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now Jesus worked this miracle on the Sabbath. Now, interesting part about it is, which other translation doesn't say this, but it says, so he rolled up his mat and walked again. So that indicates that maybe at one point in time he walked. So maybe he wasn't 38 years old. Maybe he got injured or something like that. I don't know. I just noticed that when I was reading the passage translation. The point being is that, you know, Everyone was there waiting and waiting and waiting for an angel to come down and stir the water. Now, but when Jesus came, they didn't have to wait for an angel because Jesus was there. Now, what's really interesting is nobody else got healed that day. At least there's no other account of anybody else getting healed. What means Jesus walked into, you know, hundreds of sick people. and Only one person got healed. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's because nobody else came and asked him. We have not because we asked not. I mean, I mean, if it was me, if I'm sitting on the porch, I'm dragging myself over there. I don't care if I can walk, you know, if I'm like this, can't walk, I'm going to crawl over to Jesus and said, Hey, I want what he got. I want what he got. But my point today and Wednesday was not about healing, but it's about waiting. Because I think the church, now, today, whenever I talk about um, people or say us, I'm not meaning us in this room, all right? I'm meaning Christianity as a whole, all right? Because some of the things I might say don't maybe fit you or fit me, but Christianity as a whole, I think there's so many people that are sitting around waiting for God to move. They're just praying that one day an angel will come down from heaven and serve the waters. And so we can have a revival. We can have, you know what, but the thing about it is, um, which not one of my scriptures, but that I gave them, but it just hit me. Romans eight eleven says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, right? Now it goes on to say, oh, quicken your mortal body. And the usually what we normally do is we use that scripture when we're tired, which is really weird because it talks about raising from the dead and, and we're, we're going to just use it for being tired and sleepy. But the point is, is that the spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy spirit, um, that it dwells in you. That's the same spirit that Jesus had whenever he came to that man. 
So, you know, Jesus didn't come to the man and says, well, I'm going to stand here with you until the angel comes down so we can get healed. Jesus didn't wait for a revival to happen. See, the thing is, when you walk into a room, you bring Jesus with you. You bring the spirit of the living God with you. And you know what? There are people that are hurting that don't know Jesus that are looking for somebody to tell them the good news. Have you ever heard this term that you might be the only Jesus that people ever see? Well, but in order to do that, you're going to be that. Instead of sitting around waiting for, for Jesus to move, you need to walk in the room and says, who's hurting? Who needs help? Because I have the answer. See, I learned this a long time ago because, you know, there were, actually, I really like the song. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. I have Jesus. I have the answer. When you have the answer, you don't have any problems. Now, I don't know how many of you um, are familiar with Todd White, one of my good friends. Um, Todd White did not set out to be a minister. All right? He doesn't look like a minister, by the way. Um, of course, sometimes I don't think I look like a minister either. I don't, I don't know if Jesus would wear Yeezys or not, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so, so here's what happened. Here, here's how Todd White's ministry started. Todd White, and I, I call it a Walmart ministry, um, because Todd, in fact, he, he would tell the story that his wife would not want to go to the grocery store with Todd. Because everywhere that Todd went, he knew Jesus was with him, and he was looking for people who were hurting. He'd walk down the aisles to see people that might be, you know, holding their back or, or doing something like that. And he says, hey, you need to get healed. If he saw people, you know, he, he just went was sharing the good news to people. You know, and actually he, he said that, you know, when he first started, he didn't see a lot of change. But then, then one day he got an instant manifestation. Then it just, kept, it just kept clicking and clicking. And he was just, just you know, sharing the love of Jesus to a lost and dying, hurting world. He, he was being, you know, bringing Jesus to them. He wasn't waiting on some kind of special meeting or special anointing because we don't have to wait on anointing. We've already been anointed. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already up there in heaven. And he says, you know, now I, I you know, the, it's, it's up to you. You're my hands and you're my feet. And so the way he started being a minister, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Someone says, hey, can you come and give a testimony and tell us what, what you've been doing? And he gave his testimony and then he gave his testimony somewhere else and his testimony somewhere else. And also too, he has a miraculous testimony about how God to totally changed his life. But then it just went from there and went from there. You know, and, and he, he goes, I mean, he goes out to the streets to touch a lost and dying and hurting world. But a lot of us Christians, we're just waiting for God to move. God, please move. Oh man, I, I, I just long for God to move. You know, but the, the deal is, is that that spirit's on the inside of you. Now, what I pointed out um, the other day was going to Mark um, 16. Now, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but he didn't say you disciples. He didn't say you 12 and no more. I guess at that point, there was only 11. One of them killed himself. Um, and so, but he didn't say you 11 and no more. He talked to believers. Now, reading from, from the Passion Translation version of Mark 16, 15, it says, and he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. All right, now, here's the thing is people sometimes take that, say, well, okay, we all need to stand behind a pulpit. Do you realize a lot of times in Jesus' ministry, he wasn't behind a pulpit? He was going to the cities and villages and he was standing out in the open. You know, it's it, the reason this is not 
for ministers and for believers that it doesn't matter where we are, we can bring Jesus. It doesn't matter where we are. You know, because I think a lot of Christians have the mentality that the Lord can only move in the church building. Now, every once in a while, when somebody rents a convention center, he can move there. You know, but here's the thing. There's nothing about that convention center because, you know, three days earlier, there was a rock concert and Satan was moving. You know, and and the other side about it is the church is this. I mean, this is a building. The spirit of living God's on the inside of you. You bring Jesus with you. All right. So, he, so what he was, Jesus was telling them, you know, as you go into all the world preaching the good news to everybody, you know, you're taking me. Because it goes on to say, whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. It doesn't say for you to condemn them. It just means, you know, they're going to be condemned eventually. But it's not for you to, you know, condemn them. It's you know, for you to love them. Because I've, I found out that it's really hard to get people saved condemning them. In fact, do you realize that most people, uh, probably majority of people that are in sin, they know it. They don't need you to remind them. It's just like, you know, anybody ever had a car wreck that's your fault? Okay, if you had a car wreck that's your fault, and then your husband or wife or whatever, like, how can you be so stupid? Well, you, you already know you're stupid. You, did, you didn't need them to tell you you're stupid. <laughs> or it might be your mother and father if you still live at home or you're still driving their car or you're still under their insurance, all right? You know, someone's gonna tell you, you know, that's stupid. Now, if you get hit by somebody else, then they're the stupid ones, okay? But if it's you that does it, you know, because you um, just happen to pull out in front of somebody or, or whatever, you don't need somebody else to condemning you. I mean, you've already done it. I mean, what more can you do? You know, it's, you know, just thank God that you didn't get hurt. You know, that's the main thing. Um, anyway, it goes on to say, and these miraculous, uh, these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Now it's interesting because right here it says those who believe. And so I'm going to ask again, how many people in, in, in this building and online believe? I mean, I mean, if you say you're a believer, it's, these are signs that should follow after you. What, what should follow after you? It says they will drive out demons in the power of my name. See, we're using the name of Jesus to do these things. So it's really Jesus still performing it. You're just there. Now, that's the thing about it is, is that any kind of minister, they're not special. All right. They're just a robot, basically, to be used by Jesus. You know, I mean, you know, they're not anything. It's what's on the inside that's something. They're just a mere man. All right. They're just like Clark Kent. But see, whenever Clark Kent goes into a phone booth, I know we have a different generation. Google what a phone booth is. Um, or for some of you in Tulsa area, go to Utica Square, you'll see a phone booth. Um, we actually have phone booths and we have a, we used to have a thing, we still do, called a payphone. If you want to see a payphone, go to the North Lobby. There's still a payphone in our North Lobby. It still works. You can still call somebody. All right. If you've never seen a payphone before, go back there, take a picture, get, you know, put it on Facebook. Um, I still don't, I, I think the reason there, there's a payphone in our North Lobby is I think the phone company doesn't, if they take that off the wall, they have to fix our wall and they don't want to do it. So they left the payphone there. Um, from time to time, I go by there and pick it up, see if I hear a dial tone, just to see if it still works. And it does. 
Um, funny part about it is, um, especially at, you know, in Winter Bible Seminary and Camp Meeting, we, we have booths. Um, camp Meeting, we have more booths because we have more speakers. And a lot of times, somebody's booth is right by the payphone. Well, some other people that were at another booth looked up the payphone number and would call the payphone. <laughs> and it'll ring. You can call. There's a number. If you look at the payphone, there's a number you can call. And if you're standing by it, it'll just start ringing and you'll pick, you can pick it up. And so they would do that just to prank the people. So anyway, if you never, if you don't know what a payphone is, you don't have to Google that one. Go to the North Lobby right across from the bookstore and you can see a payphone for yourself. All right. Anyone. It says they will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. Um, They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. I like this, this version because it doesn't make us sound like snake handlers. All right. And just to let you know, you realize that during the, this time, um, you know, the Bible times, people walked everywhere and they went to the, you know, you know, different areas. And sometimes there were snakes. It's just like, you know, whenever you're walking through a trail, you might come upon a snake. All right. And, and, but the point is, and, and obviously, you know, we see this in manifestation later on when, when the apostle Paul got bit by a snake, a poisonous snake, and they kept waiting for him to die and nothing happened. Why did nothing happen? Because we have Mark chapter 16. All right. It says they will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Now, I don't like that translation that says heal them because you're not healing anybody. It's Jesus healing them. Um, You're just the, the vessel that he's using to heal them. But that's the point. The point is when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover according to the word. But you know, how many times... Have you um, prayed for someone and not expected them to get healed? And they didn't expect to get healed. No, they, everybody wanted to. See, there's a difference in wanting to and expecting. And the problem is a lot of us are wanting to when we should expect. We should expect miracles. We should expect healings. We should expect God to move. Now, um, What's happening, so what's been happening in our world, and not just today, but probably all the time, is that, um, I don't know, I was praying, and, and the Lord says the reason that we're not, we don't experience the move of God like we would like to, except for special times and special meetings or whatever, first of all, we don't expect it. Secondly, we're too busy playing defense. Most Christians are playing defense. What do you mean? Well, you know, we're here trying to put our shield of faith against the fiery darts. And I mean, you know, we're busy. Most Christians aren't playing offense. Offense is going out and touching the world. Defense is standing back and said, you know what? Oh man, that sickness, that disease, that financial situation. I'm here to tell you that you'll always have sickness and disease and financial situations. You know, you know it, it's a never-ending thing. Life happens. Life happens. And so you need to understand that's just a part of the devil being the devil. The devil, the Bible says, we all know, I read it all the time, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's here to knock you off your game at all times, to distract you. And he's going he's gonna to be putting weapons out there all the, all the time. And it's all distractions. Because if you're so busy defending, you know, then you're, 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 we can't do two things. So we're busy defending instead of going out and touching the world. Or we're so worried about our situation. Well, what are we going to do? 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 I mean, we have this, we have that. So, man, if, you know, 
here's the thing. I started thinking about this. Um, Sporting events, especially, you know, we just had the Super Bowl, but it doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball. Do you realize that each one of these players, they have families, they have things going on in their families, lives and whatever. But when they get on the field or when they get on the court, they forget about all the other distractions, all the other family stuff, you know, and for that limited time, they focus in on the task at hand. And, you know, they give it 100% or, you know, if you ever had a coach, it's 110%. It's never 100%. You, you give it everything you got and more, you know, for those minutes you're on the field. Now, when you're not on the field, then you can deal with family life and all that kind of stuff. The problem is, or the, or the thing is, whenever you're a Christian, you're always on the field. We're always on the field. We're, we're always here to, to reach a lost and dying and hurting world. And distractions are just distractions. And you know what? I'm going to have to let the Lord take care of those situations so I can go do what he wants me to do. Now, we all know the scripture, um, you know, James 4, 7. Um, the passion says this. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will flee in agony. All right, now here's the thing, you know, when we resist the devil, it's not, that shouldn't take, you know, a long time, just do it. We don't have to pray for seven days and seven nights to get rid of the devil. Some people think, well, man, if I pray enough, if I go on a fast, or if I pray fast, or if I do something, or if I do the hokey pokey, maybe the devil will leave me alone. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is that, you know, you just say, devil, you have no right. You have no authority in the name of Jesus. God will get out of here. And then you go on. Yeah, but he's still bothering me. No, he's trying to bother you, but you know that he has no authority to bother you. Go read Ephesians. You know, understanding your authority he has no authority, so he shouldn't be a distraction. And if he's a distraction, it's because you don't know your Bible or you don't believe your Bible. And I wouldn't tell someone they don't believe their Bible, but they don't act like they believe their Bible. You know, understand, you know, we believe in the full gospel. Well, the gospel says for this devil, he's going to flee from me. So if he flees from me, then he's not there to bother me. Well, yeah, but he's still trying to talk in my ear. Well, he's trying. Don't listen. How many, how many here have, actually have children? How many have children? How many times have you been at your home and your, your child, you know, griping and complaining and you're not listening to the word that they say because you just tune them out? All right, happens a lot. Sometimes you probably tune them out too much, you know? Or a lot of times, you know, you, we, we just get so used to it, we tune them out. Um, and um, so just tune out the devil. Don't, don't think about it. Yeah, but he has some good points. <laughs> you know, inflation is bad. Gas is a lot more money. Food costs a whole lot more. So I probably should worry about my finances. You know. So just to let you know, just to kind of, if you haven't figured this out there, an individual, I, I don't, um, actually went back because nowadays, um, well, they went back to some of their receipts or like I actually, a lot of times use Walmart pay at Walmart. Um, and, and, um, it, I have, I have a digital receipt. So they went back to 2020 and they looked at today and they buy about, so of the same, actually what they did, they, went, they looked at 2020 receipt and they went and bought the same things that they bought in 2020 and found that they paid 50% more for those groceries. Okay. Okay. So it's 50% more, but we serve a big God. So quit worrying about it and quote the Bible. My God shall supply all my needs according to the rest of glory by Christ Jesus. Drop the mic, move on, go do the works of Jesus. There's going to be distractions. I'm here to tell you. Jesus was trying to tell you in John 10, there'll be distractions. Just don't be distracted. You know, the world, in fact, some people are still distracted from COVID. 
All right, I'm not saying that, there's, it, that, that it wasn't, you know, things didn't happen, but COVID is, was one of the biggest hindrances to the church because people quit coming and um, a lot of people still don't come. So anyway, another scripture that we might need to resist the devil, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, pour out your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. So when you leave your worries with him, they're no longer your worries. If, if you still have worries, you haven't left them with him. All right. So if, if you, what, what is said here, Peter's saying, you hash it out with God. You say, God, these are my stressful situations. This is what I need help with. You take them. All right. So I always say, you worry about him. He's not worried about him, but you know, he's, he's taken. He goes on to say, be well balanced, always alert because your enemy, the devil roams around, um, incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stance against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. You know what? Everybody has those same troubles. All right? It's, it's not um, what the devil's doing. It's what, what are you doing with what he's doing? Are you letting it knock you off your game? If some of you realize everything that I went through last week or are going through my family, I mean, um, you're like, man, I can't believe you stood up there and preached all the time. You know, it wasn't me, you know, me, I'm doing great. That's the thing. If, if the devil doesn't attack you, attacks your family, attacks, you know, everybody. Uh, speaking of that, I just want to let you know, I, I went to the, um, the kidney doctor the other day, and you know, I've dealt with some kidney issues and um, everything is, I'm, everything I, is in normal range um, now. Now they won't say I'm healed. They say that I'm, I'm, it's in remission, you know, but you know, we have our mission and authority class here at Rayma. Um, that's a joke. No, um, <laughs> um, no, it's, you know, so it's awesome. I mean, you know, just, but, but the deal is, is, is don't get distracted. So you can't go out. I mean, the reason you don't experience God like we should, because we're so busy, distracted, trying to defend ourselves from all the fire darts of the enemy. So, you know what, really, you know, I, I know it talks about helping the shield of faith, but basically what we need to do is just give it to God and, and leave it alone. You know, here's the thing. For you to worry about something after you give it to God means one or two things. Either you don't believe God's able to take care of it. You don't believe his word's true. Um, or you don't have nothing to do, so you want to worry. I mean, because if you're worried about something you gave to God, then, then um, that's kind of an issue. You must not believe the Bible. You know, that's why, you know, my, my grandfather, he said, I'm a stickler for the word. What does the word say? And so, you know, if he has scripture for something, then he believes it. Why does he believe it? Because God said it. So now I want to get to the point that I'm, my whole message. All right. First Timothy chapter one, verse number six. Sorry, second Timothy. I said first Timothy. Second Timothy one, six says this, the passion um, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So, so God doesn't give us fear, but He gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to fan those flames or stir it up. So you want to see miraculous things happen? You want to see a revival? Then stir those things up. 
See, the power to have those things are inside of you. The, the, the Holy Spirit's on, inside of you, but you just got to stir up that gift. Now, how do you, you, you can't stir it up being distracted. I mean, if every time you pray, then you, that while you're praying that you feel that you need to watch TV or listen to the radio or something like that, you can't really pray real well. You're distracted. You know, or, you know, every time you read your Bible, if you're online, you got to check your email every five minutes because you're, you're using a digital Bible or whatever. Distraction is, is huge. And, and, you know, distraction is sometimes you're distracted by something that, that's needed to happen, but it can happen in a different timing. I, it might not be the devil. I'm not, I'm not calling the guy that sent you an email the devil, okay? It might be a work email that you need to take care of, but there's a time for everything. So whenever you spend time, you just have to block out everything that's going on. That's why if you, when I do my prayer lines, um, I always tell people to close their eyes. Why? Because when you close your eyes, you're not thinking about anybody around about you, you know, because there might be some person dancing, waving flags, doing whatever, you know, or, or other people are doing things and, you know, or a lot of times when you're singing, nothing wrong with singing, but when you're singing, you're not thinking about, you know, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You know, I always tell people to close their eyes. I tell people not to worry about falling. You know, that's the biggest hindrance to getting healed in a healing line is worried about falling. Man, I'm pretty heavy. Are they going to be able to catch me? <laughs> and I'm not saying that I haven't thought those kind of things, but we have some big ushers. So now I actually have seen some mismatches before. <laughs> and a lot of times some of us, other ushers have to step in and help, you know, because it just turned out. If, if, you, if you watch the usher flow, you know, next one in line, next one in line, next one in line. And so sometimes the next one in line is a little bit smaller than, um, than the person that, that's being prayed for. But, you know, it's all good. See, if, if we're worried about that, we're probably not going to get healed. We're distracted. But we're going to stir up the gift of God's on the inside of us. When we stir up that gift, you know, just like the angels stirred the water, you stir up the gift. Well, how do you do that? You begin to pray. You know, it, it's, if, if I have, when I have times and I just close my eyes and, and, I, and I begin to pray, it starts building up and it's building up and building up. And that's how we stir it up. You know, a great example God reminded me, I've, I've used it for years, hence had in a long time though, is um, my chocolate milk example. Now, a lot of times people today, they go to the store and buy chocolate milk because there are chocolate cows out there that actually produce, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> but they buy the pre-made chocolate milk because we live in a lazy generation, doesn't like to work for anything. And I'm just kidding, huh? I don't care if you buy pre you know, you know, pre-mixed chocolate milk, but it doesn't do very well for my example. Um, growing, I, I actually am a chocolate milk connoisseur. I, I love chocolate milk. Uh, I always have. Um, in fact, you can ask my sister, I used to drink it every night before. I, I drank it every morning when I woke up and every night before I went to bed. I, I actually don't drink it as much as I used to, um, but I do prefer chocolate milk over white milk. Um, but I actually preferred Hershey's chocolate milk. And, um, you know, you get Hershey's syrup. Anyone ever had Hershey's syrup? Put in chocolate milk. Now, so if you, um, so in order to make chocolate milk for some, some of you that don't know how to make chocolate milk, you know, we live in a different generation. Maybe the only way they've ever, I've, I've always bought it at Walmart or bought it in the grocery store. It's already made, you know. So what you do is you take white milk, you have a spoon, Hershey syrup or, or syrup of your choice, or if you so desire, you can have powder. I don't like it as well, but you can use powder. And so when you have that white milk and you put the Hershey syrup in, you know, that's what it sounds like. I wasn't farting. I was showing you my own. I'm squeezing my Hershey syrup, you know, and so, you know, <laughs> anyway, 
Someone's going to hear that tape and not see me and they're going to think, oh yeah, yeah, he just let one off. <laughs> um, so, but when you put that chocolate milk in, in, in or that, that syrup in that milk, now, unless you have a glass container where it's all glass where you can see it, you see no chocolate. If you have a, you know, most time people have a plastic cup or whatever where you can't see through it. Now, if you have a glass container, you can see that chocolate's all at the bottom. Anyone ever seen it? It's all, it's all at the bottom. And, you know, if you decide to start drinking your milk immediately, it won't taste chocolatey. If you want to have chocolate milk, you got to get the spoon out. And you get that spoon out and you begin to stir. And as you begin to stir, it gets more chocolatey and more chocolatey. But you might look, you know, it's hard to look if you don't have a glass, but if you have a glass container, you'll still see at the bottom and you keep stirring and you keep stirring and you keep stirring until you get it to the consistency where it's just right. And that's what God's saying that what we need to do is get out our spiritual spoon of the Holy Ghost and stir it up. We have the capacity. We have it. It's down on the inside, but it's at the bottom. You have the capacity for revival at the bottom. You have the capacity for healing at the, at the bottom of your belly. All right. So if you want to see it happen, it's up to you to take out your spoon and begin to stir and stir and stir and stir and stir. And as you stir, all of a sudden you look down, you know, in the natural, if you look talking milk, you look down and it's no longer white, it's chocolate. Why is it chocolate? Because you stirred it. But you know what? If you, if, if you let that sit for a while, first of all, it won't taste good because hot milk doesn't taste good. But anyway, you let it sit for a while, it'll start settling back to the bottom. And that's what happens is that, you know, we're like, you know, you started up one time, but one time's not good enough. You know, and, and in fact, you know, a lot of times people have started up, but, but then, then they go through a dead spell. Well, it's your fault you went through a dead spell. Well, you know, I had this happen and that happened and my grandma died. You know, things are going to happen in this world. Bad things are going to happen. You know, don't let something, they're all excuses. Everything's an excuse. All right. You know, well, I'll try to do something. The guy told me one time, trying is lying. You either do it or you don't. You either do it or you don't. You make a decision to do it or you make a decision to don't. Man, you know, if we would learn to stir up, stir it up more. Now, here's the thing. You know, I told you that I really like chocolate milk. And um, I would make it in the morning and night. I'd start up in the morning and then start up at night. And then start up again the next morning and start up again the next night and start up again. And you know what? If we would daily begin to stir, we would see some miraculous things taking place. And it's not because you're Superman. It's because the, you know, that, that, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. And, God, and he, God's looking for somebody to stir it up, to go out and touch the lost and dying and hurting world. Man, you get people healed, it's a whole lot easier to, to, to get them saved, to get them set free. And you're like, you know, man, you know, God is good. I mean, we serve a good God. And here, we all know we serve a good God, but there's a lot of people that don't think God is good. Some people think God is mean. Some people think God's judgmental. Some people think all kinds of stuff. But there are people out there they're, they're having a tough time and, and they don't know any better. They don't know any better. You know, and there are some people who are saved, but they, they, they don't know about all the benefits. But it's, if, if you want to see miraculous things happen, you want to see revival, then get out your spoon. The more you stir, 
The more you'll see. So we got to stir it up. You know, and, and here's what happens. This is, I mean, this was, this would happen in youth all the time when I was doing youth ministry. What would happen to most all youth groups in America, probably around the world, um, well, at least in America because we have a summer vacation. So a lot of times during the summertime, there's a tendency for a lot of the kids, you know, because if unless they live close to, to some of their, their friends or, you know, if they don't festival, have a car, they actually spend more time with their church friends during the summertime than they do during the rest of the time. And they come and, you know, we, we'd always have youth camp. They get on fire here at Raymond. We'd always have summer blitz. And those kids would be lit up all summer long. And then August, they go to school. And they weren't so lit anymore. They weren't so stirred up anymore. It's the same way we grow up and we go to special meetings. Man, that was awesome. Oh man, that was great. And then life happens. And they're like, man, I can't wait till camp meeting. Once camp meeting happens, we're gonna have another great time. And then we'll put it on the shelf till the next meeting. Well, why does that happen? Because you don't have a spoon? Or you don't know what to do with your spoon? You have a spoon, you just don't, you just don't use it. You know, I could have made the choice every morning to put the Hershey syrup in and drink the white milk on top and it wouldn't have been as good. Maybe a little bit of, of the chocolatey flavor would have been there, but it wouldn't have been as good. But I, but I, and that's what we're doing in our Christian world. We're not getting the full thing, what God wants us to get because we don't stir it up and we might get a little bit. But if you, want to, if you want to experience it to the fullness, then you have to stir and you have to stir and you have to stir and you have to not let things in this world distract you. I'm here, I'm here to prophesy. Thus saith the Lord. Distractions will always be there. As long as you're here on the earth. The devil will try to, the, the devil tried to distract Adam and Eve. And every person in the Bible since then. And he'll try to distract you. He'll try to throw you off. That's what he does for a living. So don't be distracted. Get out your spoon and change this world. You have the capacity on the inside. You have that capacity. You just haven't used your spoon in a while. Maybe a lot of you in, in this room that haven't had chocolate milk in a long time. Maybe you should try it. You might find out as an adult, you really like chocolate milk. And I don't care whether you like chocolate milk or not. I actually found out because I drink unsweetened almond milk and I get it, put Hershey syrup on unsweetened almond milk. It's probably not still good, but it's not as many, it's not as bad as whole milk with chocolate in it, but and then I've, I've, I've literally gone around and checked the different chocolate things to see if I can find one that has less carbs. <laughs> I literally have, um, you know, what, whatever. And um, there's, Ovaltine is not as bad, um, you know, but, you know, the main thing is you have to have a spoon. Amen. Everyone here has the capacity. And, you know, the, the, the thing about it is, you got to be willing to stir. Like I said, it takes more time to stir up your chocolate milk than, than it does to, to buy it already pre-made just to pour it out. You know, you know, then it's already there because they've already made it to proper consistency. But in order to do that, they probably put more chemicals in it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a milkologist um, or a chocolate milkologist. Um, Although I do pride myself on knowing a lot about chocolate milk. But I mean, you know, I, you know I've often, I guess that's something to wonder about. How come whenever I make chocolate milk, you know, it sells at the bottom, but the chocolate milk I buy is not sells at the bottom. There has to be a reason. You know, Google it. Um, anyway, so my point today is don't sit around waiting. 
go out and be a blessing to people. And if, if here's the thing, do you, I mean, let's just all be honest. I didn't feel like preaching this morning. Half of you didn't probably feel like being here this morning. I had a long week, but we had to start it up anyway. Even when we don't feel like doing it, even when, when you know, it, well, I just don't feel like it. You know what? But there are people who are hurting. So quit being lazy. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It's not you doing anything anyway. It's the, the spirit of the living God that dwells on the inside of you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's him doing the works. You're just showing up and, and helping him out by lending your arms and your feet and your voice. You know, that's why when I preach, I don't give a lot of opinion. I read the word. Now, there's a lot of preachers that give you lots of opinions, but that's not the Bible. The Bible is the word. So um, homework, stir it up more often. You know, and there's going to be times that... You're going to, when things are just, I got to say this in the correct way because I want to be nice. When, when things are just going bad a lot, that's actually the time to pull the spoon out. See, what happens is usually when things are going bad, all we're doing is griping and complaining. And now I'm going to say something else too. Do you realize that most Christians, I'm not talking about everyone here in the room. I'm just talking about Christians as, as a whole. The only time we really talk to God is when we're going through stuff. In fact, there's been some people that I have read, you know, that I know that they don't go to church. They probably never have any conversations about God. Then they get on there and say, you know, I can use your prayers. I'm like, I, I didn't even know you knew anything about prayers. It's interesting. So, so when, when trouble comes, that's when people turn to God. You know, and, and even a lot of times us, you know, we, when we're not having issues, we're just not doing anything. We're just sitting around, you know, maybe we're not sitting at a porch waiting for the water to be served. We're just, you know, we're sitting on the beach. Yeah, man, this is awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, you know, but man, we just, we need to spend some time with God. We just need to be praising God. We need to be thanking him. There's a lost and dying and hurting world to reach. And we need to stir up the gifts of God that's on the inside of us. So homework, get out your spoon more often. Begin to stir. And there's going to be some times whenever you're going to feel the, the, the chocolate's at the bottom, and it's not all mixed up, to stir. How do you stir? Close your eyes. Begin to pray. Well, I don't know what to, now sometimes you'll know what to pray for because you know what you're going through. Sometimes you don't know what to pray for. Then shut your eyes and begin to pray in other tongues. And I tell you what, man, it, you get to a point, you get to a rhythm and, and it, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just awesome. We, we, we've all been there. Man, if everyone would come to church after drinking their chocolate milk every morning before they show up at church, you would see more miraculous things happen. And I don't mean drink chocolate, I mean stir up your gift. I mean, you know, that's the thing is, usually when you come to church saying, man, I hope pastor has something, I'm tired. I'm tired, oh man. I'm hungry, where are we gonna go eat? You know, stir it up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for each and every person that's here today and watching online. We thank you, Father, for helping us to realize the gift that God is already on the, in, on the inside. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead is on the inside of us. Help us to be that Jesus to these people who are lost and dying and hurting. Father God, help us to stir up that gift. We thank you, Father, that you'll You'll help us to quit being so distracted by all the things of this world going on around about us, but help us to focus in on what you want us to do and stir up that gift. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and say, Craig, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, so I, I don't have anything to stir. 
If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray with you. Maybe you're here in this room and you say, Craig, I'm not saved, but I want to be saved this morning. Lift your hand. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, and at one time I walked with the Lord, but I've turned my back. I went away. And this morning I want to publicly rededicate myself to God. Again, if that's you, lift your hand. We, we want to pray for you. There's a hand right there. Thank you. Or maybe there's, maybe you're here and my grandfather always talked about this. He says, maybe you don't know whether you're saved or not. Maybe you don't know whether you've ever been saved. If, if that's you, you can have a no-so experience. Or maybe there's some of you here today that have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Acts 2, 4 said, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you've never received that, man, it's, it's, that's, you need that. That'll help you stir it up better. If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray with you across this auditorium on any invitation. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up right now. And if you lifted your hand on any invitation, or you should have lifted your hand, I want you to come down right now. Don't be embarrassed. Just come on down. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you lifted your hand for prayer or didn't lift your hand, but should have come down, don't be embarrassed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Not to show up and anybody else. I don't want you to miss out. Anybody else? But I know I need to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. There's no one. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Well, what you came down here for are spiritual gifts. They belong to you. Whether it's in filling of the Holy Spirit, rededication, or being saved for your very first time. They're a gift that belongs to you. And every time I think about gifts, I think about Christmas. Anyone, you like Christmas? I love Christmas. You know, um, Christmas time growing up, my mom would wrap my presents, put them under the tree, and it would say, to Craig from mom and dad. You know, as a kid, we would shake the presents or whatever, and we couldn't wait for Christmas Day to open them up. You know, and even though those presents belonged to us when they were under the tree, they didn't become a reality to us until we opened them up. And then once we opened them up, we begin to use them. Now, something else happens. This happens in, you know, maybe we take a gift, and we're so excited about it, and we use that gift... And then after a while, we put it on the shelf and never use it again. And then I I know I've even, in my older years, sometimes come across some old toys that I had. And and I started playing with these toys again, you know. And so that's kind of rededication. A lot of times we find that gift again and and we we let it be a reality for our life. You know, or Holy Spirit, you know, being full of Holy Spirit is also a gift. If I wanted to give you a gift and I said, I want to give you a gift, how would you receive the gift? You reach out and take it. You can have those, and they're going to give the same gift to each, each and every one of you. Amen. It's just really that simple. So I'm going to ask you to lift one hand toward heaven. I don't care whether you're right or left. doesn't matter because some people are like, well, i got to lift the right hand. doesn't matter. And I'm going to pray for you here. The nurse, take you, I'm going to take you to a special place. They're going to pray for you more. They're going to give you some more material. They're going to give you all those books, and they're going to make sure you got the gift you came for. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these precious people. And we thank you, Father, for saving them, for filling up the Holy Spirit, Father. Father God, we thank you that you're forgiven for their sins. We thank you, Father, that they'll never, ever be the same after today. We thank you, Father, as they receive that gift. It'll be life-changing. But Father God, we thank you that they won't be selfish, but they'll take that gift to this lost and dying and hurting world. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn this way. This is Brother Greg. Can you follow him? Just follow him real fast. Won't take long. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Amen. 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 Reach your hands out toward them as they go. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for touching their lives, changing them, setting them free. Hallelujah. Amen. You have anything you want to sing? And for the sake of the world, stir up your fire in me. life might depend upon you pulling out your spoon. You know, there's people out there that I can't reach, but you can. And so, you know, that song, for the sake of the world, you know, it's, it's not for you that, you, you know, sometimes you pull the spoon out. It's to change this world. Amen. Hallelujah.